0: to the Book Talk Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom. Now today, we're going to be talking about a really great little book. It was written by the love doctor, Leo Biscaglia, Ph.D., The name of the book is Loving Each Other, The Challenge of Human Relationships. It was copyrighted in 1984, and it was published by Fawcett Columbine out of New York. Now, there's a really special little quote that Leo has on the flyleaf of the book, which sort of encapsulates how he feels about relationships, how important they are, and what they are. And the quote is, we are each of us angels with only one wing, and we can only fly embracing each other. Luciano de Crescenzo.
1: What a great image. It's kind of like one person without another person is not a full unit or maybe even not a full person. I know some single people out there will kind of bristle to hear me say that, but embracing what Leo Vescaglia wants to tell with his book is that there is a completeness in a relationship and especially in a love relationship.
0: I think that's true. I mean, we actually, as human beings, I think are born to love and born to be in Uh, relationship with other people. And isolation isn't really the healthiest thing for us, I don't think.
1: Well, it's not a growth medium either, I believe. I think this book is about the most vital human behaviors, love, compassion, caring.
0: Right. I think so. I think the book actually has to do with the most important aspects of life, which, which is love. And, you know, that involves tenderness and it involves sharing and relating to one another. And without these qualities, life is pretty empty. You can have all kinds of other things in life. You can have the best health and you could have the most beautiful house and a shiny new car. You could have a very large bank account. But what are any of those worth if you don't have love in your life?
1: Or someone to share them with.
0: Absolutely. So we are talking, this book really does get into the full aspect of what it it means to be in relationship with another person.
1: The question really is, why do we as human beings, and particularly as Western civilization human beings, spend so little time developing love and compassion and caring? Just turn on the nightly news and you'll see how little caring that we have developed for one another in some cases it's almost tragic
0: and it is you know it's like we say that love's important but then when people express love or they get a bit mushy all of a sudden people get kind of uncomfortable you know they sort of move away from you and think you're a little bit odd
1: put you down yeah (laughs)
0: yeah it's like the very thing we say we value is considered smaltzy and, you know, not really particularly attractive.
1: It's almost like we're too sophisticated to admit how confused we are and how unhappy we personally are.
0: I think that's true. And we also, in this country, we have this really big thing about admiring people who are, you know, rugged individualists and who are independent and can do so many things on their own. And we exert this personal freedom a lot and I think we have a tendency to maybe value that more than we do value love. At least that's the message that that a lot of people are given. And so we tend to sort of hide those feelings and not want to express them so so readily.
1: Well, even in school where they're trying so hard these days to teach cooperation and commitment and compassion to the students, there still seems to be this disconnect where we reward the individual efforts and individual scores and individual grades over the ability to form a team. And yet, in later life, especially in corporate life, so-called team building is supposedly the most important skill that a person can bring to the job, besides their raw intelligence and ability to be creative. But without a team, most corporate settings will fail. So it begs the question as to where are we putting our priorities? Are we just too ego-driven to admit that we need to be together and we need to study togetherness and study relationships?
0: I think we do need that a lot. We need to study it a lot more because it doesn't naturally come to people. I mean, it comes to you if you you grew up in a family maybe where that's the natural way of being. And I think that was... Leo Biscaglia's strength was that he did grow up in a family where love and relationship was highly valued. And it was something that was expressed in a deep and abiding kind of way, actually, in his family life. They shared readily every day. They ate around the table. They shared about their lives. You know, his father encouraged the kids to share things that they had learned thought that you know learning and education was vitally important but also just really took great pleasure in sharing and being together with his family so this is the example that he grew up with you know the loving mother you know Italian cook <laughs> cooked these wonderful meals for the family so they had this camaraderie in the family and this is something that he valued and obviously took very seriously took it into his life and and made it his life work
1: he really does take from that family setting that relationships optimally encourage intellectual development and emotional development and even spiritual growth. But of course, they do it within a framework of togetherness or teamwork or sharing. And I think it's different than having someone praise totally for how much they could do it all by themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think also he and his family, I remember listening to him on some of the PBS spe- specials and what you get the sense of is that he was, he felt so safe in that environment that they were safe with each other to the extent that they could be totally honest. I mean, if the kids didn't do something that was pleasing to the adults, you know, they might get smacked across the head or something, but. They never really felt unloved because of that. It was just sort of a part of the whole package. Um, And I think when when you really do feel safe in a family, then the little things that you do that may not seem so loving don't become so enormous and disturbing. So that is a part of how, how we grew up.
1: And certainly in Kira's last words, you'll hear underlying the forgiveness that also had to occur in the family. We're going to get into his feelings on forgiveness in a little bit. So please bear with us on that. But that is such an important part of the whole relationship process. Yeah, it was.
0: There really wasn't any expectation of having to be perfect, you know. In his family, they were very human, and and all of them expressed themselves. I think that's the key thing is that they openly expressed themselves, whether it was something they were pleased about or something they weren't pleased about. They could honestly relate to one another because they knew they loved each other. They were that safe with one another.
1: And of course, Leo Biscaglia admits that there is pain in relationships as well. In fact, he offers that when relationships don't work out, when you absolutely can't live with another person or can't continue in a relationship, can we at least not hurt them? Can we at least find a way to coexist in love?
0: Yes, and as I mentioned before, I really do think this is something that he just learned as a child growing up, that you don't have to be perfect, that you can make mistakes and still love one another. There's a beautiful little fable in the book that Leo told about, and it has to do with a little girl and a fairy. One lovely summer day, a little girl was walking through a beautiful meadow, and she noticed a butterfly impaled upon a thorn. Carefully, she released the butterfly, and as the butterfly began to rise up in the air, it settled back down, and it changed into a beautiful fairy. The fairy said to the little girl, Since you were so kind to me, I will grant you your fondest wish. The little girl thought for a moment and then replied, I want to be happy. Then the fairy whispered into the little girl's ear, From this moment on, the little girl was indeed happy. As she grew up, people in the village would remark that she was the happiest little girl, young lady, woman, mother, and eventually the happiest old lady they ever knew. Whenever they asked her what her secret was, she would smile, and the only thing she would ever say was, "'When I was a very young girl,' I listened to a fairy. Finally, the little girl grew very, very old. She had been a great-great-grandmother for many years and a comfort to many outside her own family. As she lay dying, surrounded by her huge family and many loving neighbors, they begged her to tell them the secret to her happiness. Knowing the end of her journey was near, she again smiled But this time she said, The beautiful fairy whispered a secret in my ear. She told me, Everyone, no matter how safe and grown up they may act, needs you. Of course, the message to remember from the story is that we all need one another.
1: Yes, we all need one another. Kind of a beautiful thought. And that kind of brings us to what is a loving relationship as defined by Dr. Biscaglia. First and foremost, communication is the keystone. How do I say I love you? Either you hear the words of love in your environment or you don't.
0: Right. You know, and it's not only the words. I think that, you know, love is shown when we show concern for another person or we have compassion or we express care for another one. We do have to speak in soothing tones and give loving attention to another person, maybe a smile, a hug or a caress, even just a thumbs up. But it's not always just the words that we use to express love.
1: And it's not going to be that way all the time. It's never going to be where no harsh words are ever spoken or no harsh tone or no sarcasm. These things do happen and they do crop up, but it's wise to find ways to minimize that. And it's wise to find ways to maximize the smiles and caresses and soothing tones.
0: I think so, yeah. I think we're not saying don't, you know, discipline your children or I think sometimes that's an expression of love too. And some kids will drive you actually to discipline them because they need to know that you care enough to do that. So there are many different ways that we express love. But yes, most often I think it would be appropriate if we could show kindness and concern in a gentler way.
1: You kind of get a reputation for how you're acting overall and whether you need to make a little bit of a correction in your actions so that your reputation has a chance to correct as well. I have a little story that relates how the reputation can follow you. It involves my grandkids. And the other day, Kira and I and our youngest granddaughter were at the fruit market, and my granddaughter was helping me collect some of the fruits and vegetables and Kira was in another cart getting some other types of vegetables and so forth. And when we got back to the car, I noticed that we had two small pumpkins. I didn't think too much (laughs) about it. And my granddaughter didn't see them. Well, later on in the afternoon, I went to pick up my two older grandkids. And when I got home, my grandkids jumped out of the car. And the first thing that they noticed was two small pumpkins and a beautiful plant in between them, and the pumpkins' faces were decorated. Well, I guess Kira had decorated these pumpkins while I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed right. <laughs> and right away they laughed and they said, oh, one's grandma and one's papa. And I looked up and I saw that one of them had a real happy face and it had hearts for eyes and it had a funny nose And the other one had these sinister eyes and a big frown and a tongue that stuck out from the middle of the frown. (laughs) (laughs) So right away, my grandkids said, oh, it's Grandma and Papa. It's Grandma and Papa. Well, I wasn't real happy with the reference. (laughs) I said, well, then I must be the happy face, right? And they go, no, Grandpa, no. (laughs) So the next morning... My youngest granddaughter came with her dad to be dropped off. She goes to preschool and doesn't go to school on certain days. And so she ran up to the pumpkins to show her daddy. And she said, look, it's Grandma and Papa. It's Grandma and Papa. And by this time, I was already keyed in. So I said, well, I'm not in there. I'm not grumpy like that. Oh, yeah, Grandma, you're, you're gruff and you're uh, like this. <laughs> and she pulls her arms out like, you know, maybe... A cartoon character what? and she goes yeah daddy he's like this <laughs> so i thought wow there's a reputation that precedes me it's not always like that and of course i love them and they love me so it's not a situation that is always one way but it is interesting to note that that's how they all sometimes do see me so if i want to make a change in that then I've got to be less. (laughs) And more of this soothing conversation that we just talked about.
0: (laughs) I think they get a good balance of both. (laughs) I mean, you are sometimes very soothing and loving and, you know, running around the house playing uh, hide and seek or doing all the fun things that you do with them as well. So they get both sides of you. And we all have those both sides. Sometimes grandma's grumpy too. (laughs) We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for bullet pad. You know, I think it is really important that we do express ourselves genuinely as we are. And I think that when you have a love relationship, that's what you want to do. You want to have, you want to be able to bring yourself totally to the relationship as exactly who you are in the moment. You want to be honest. How do you say, "I, I love you back when someone says, I love you?
1: Certainly, there's a dignity And an interaction that, if it's done with truth and with love, can really carry the day. It's sad that so much of our caring and love goes unexpressed. It's sad that we don't hug someone and we don't tell them how much we love them. And then they leave or they, worse yet, die. And so there we are saying it at the eulogy. Maybe the first time we've ever said it or maybe the first time we've said it in years. You can't really hog them at that point. It's too late.
0: Yeah, that is really sad when the person's already gone and you haven't told them how you really feel.
1: And along with talking and with caressing and with expressing, one of the next most important things of a relationship is listening. And listening itself is a skill. It's an art. And many men have more trouble with listening than Any of the other parts of a relationship, it's not that we want to talk so much, although oftentimes we do. They say that oftentimes a conversation is nothing more than two monologues where people (laughs) are thinking about what they're going to say next, as opposed to really having a conversation.
0: I think that's true. And I, I think, too, that as we've said before, the way we're raised a lot of times, I think maybe particularly with men. They're uncomfortable when we start expressing our feelings and express, expressing relationships. You know, a lot of men are very uncomfortable with that. I think that's improving with the younger generation. I noticed that the younger men are, are learning much more about how to communicate effectively. Many of them are actually helping raise their children while their wives are working, and they take a much greater role in the relationships in their lives you know, whereas it used to be men just went off to work and came back home and turned on the TV and grabbed a beer out of the refrigerator. It wasn't really emphasized as something they should be strong in, so therefore they weren't. But I think today it is recognized as a vital skill, and men are working much harder at that.
1: Again, we do come back to the skills necessary in today's workforce. Teamwork, team building, it isn't so much... Here's your job. Do it. Shut up. That's kind of the nature, the job that I had. They had some very vulgar expressions for what I was supposed to do. But by and large, it was, you know, draw my pictures of my machines and be quiet and don't talk about it and don't talk to your neighbor. And don't waste time. And don't waste time. <laughs> With those stupid relationships anyway. But bottom line is today, that's not true. That's not what has to happen. We are into thinking jobs and thinking positions. Even if you're in software, which both of my two sons are, they need to discuss things with their team. They need to plan things so that they're not off just writing code that eventually goes off into some weird direction and has to be scrapped because they didn't coordinate and work together.
0: Exactly. And because you are working in a team, very often your input is vitally important to another person and to their job. So they need to know what you're doing. You have to be communicating with them about what's coming next or what's expected. And if that isn't communicated, then you know feelings can get ruffled quite readily. So it is vitally important in today's world. Communication is really important. I think it's important all the time in every relationship, though, whether you're at work particularly when you're at home, I think it's really important to listen to someone. You don't really feel loved if you're not listened to. I think that, you know, I've I've mentioned this before, that, you know, we need to be validated. We need someone to recognize our strengths and tell us that we're doing things well and tell us that they love us. We need to hear those things.
1: And compliments, too. Compliments, when we do things well, but not so much criticism when we fail maybe a little bit of a understanding or gee that's not so bad we'll do better next time or i know you'll catch it again on the flip side
0: and i think it's really important to have some humor in a relationship you know the more you laugh together and enjoy each other's company the better and if you never really communicate or do things together spend time really appreciating each other in that kind of a way. The relationship can get pretty old and moldy.
1: <laughs> and touch is another big one. A little bit of touch can go a long ways. A hug, well, in fact, Leo prescribes four hugs a day. So mm-hmm. I got a hug the other day and I, I said, well, what's that for? And she says, well, it's part of the Leo Prescription, four hugs a day.
0: (laughs) And you know, I remember when we used to watch Leo Biscaglia on television when he was on like an NPR special or something, and people would just line up to hug the man because he was so genuine and so loving and people just loved hugging him. He would have a huge line and he would hug every last one of them and spend time talking to them and looking into their eyes and you know, they really knew that they were someone was present in that other person when they were standing in front of Leo Biscaglia. He really knew how to convey love and he took the time to do it.
1: This is really the cornerstone of any relationship. If you have that, you can pretty much weather almost anything. It really is true. Honesty is probably the next cornerstone, and with honesty. You don't have to weather the things that wouldn't occur if you did, did not have the honesty. So that's the first thing. It's better not to have to deal with something that didn't occur because you chose to be honest, because you chose to be truthful, and you chose to be true.
0: Right. I don't really think you can have much of a relationship without honesty. You know, there. if there's no trust, then how can you actually feel love in a relationship You know, you're wondering every time a person's speaking to you if they're telling you the truth or not. That's not a place I'd want to be in a relationship.
1: And on the other hand, you don't want to be brutally honest. (laughs) So there is a balance. You can say what you have to say without crushing another person. So there's no such thing as you need to hear this for your own good. That's just not true. That doesn't belong But to say things and to get your point across is very important.
0: Communicate, you know, with kindness, I think. Give love. If you have to tell someone something because you're just so annoyed and it's just something you have to disclose, yeah, find a kind way to go about doing that.
1: But if you can maintain a loyalty and a truthfulness and an honesty... So many of the negative things that could impact a relationship will never be there. They'll never occur.
0: It's one of the things that I really, really value in the relationship I had with you, Bill, because I never worry about you lying to me. I mean, it's just not part of our, it's never been a part of our relationship. And sometimes you have done the brutal thing where you're very um, outspoken about inadequacies on occasion, but after all, you are Virgo, you can't help that. But I do always feel that no matter what you're doing or saying, you're doing it with my welfare in mind. And that's really, really important in a relationship. It's really important in a love relationship, even when a person is maybe giving you a little loving criticism. But if you know that person loves you, it sure makes it go down a lot easier. I have to say that.
1: And I'm hoping, Kira, the audience can hear the forgiveness in your tone as you're saying some of those things. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Oh, me either. <laughs> no, one's perfect. And so that's where the forgiveness is so very, very important. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a wonderful aura surrounding this whole verb forgive, and it gives great warmth and strength. And it's something that I've had a really, really hard time with in this lifetime.
0: I think you're getting better, <laughs> we've been uh, talking about some techniques for that, and so I think it is really important. What's really wonderful is that there is a lot of emphasis being placed on forgiveness these days, and I think Leo helped maybe open up the door to to a lot of this. He wasn't always accepted as the love doctor, and he talks about that a bit, not in a maybe a direct way, but he does often. Illustrate the fact that, you know, love was not the most popular thing. And so people tended to maybe not take him seriously on many occasions.
1: He'd go on a talk show, for instance, and the talk show host would pull him aside before they went out in front of the public. And knowing that Leo loved to hug people, he said, Now, don't you hug me in front of my fans on the air. I don't want people to think that I'm gay or something, and they were so afraid of their image that they couldn't even accept a hug, and it was a very hard place for him to be. (laughs) Well, he did use forgiveness quite a bit, even when he was understanding or basically trying to understand this unloving behavior, if you will.
0: I think, you know, he had experienced other cultures as well. And I remember he tells a story of one time he was in India and I think it was during the holidays and these people invited him into their home and then they wanted him to spend the night and he ended up sleeping with these people and several of them were in the same bed. And it was not something we would customarily do in this country. It's not something that very often you'll have several men in one bed together And he was sort of at a loss too, but he just kind of went with the flow and thought, well, this is, you know, it was an honor for them to invite him into his home and offer him a place in the bed with them. So he did a lot of things that opened his heart, I think, and made him realize that people are so genuine and so giving if you just give them the opportunity and if you are open enough to allow for that.
1: Back to forgiveness, he does explain that The main person who's going to benefit from forgiveness and being forgiven is yourself. As you hold the grudge and as you maintain the hate in your heart, you are disturbing so many of your body systems. You're disturbing your mind first and foremost. And that clouds your ability to be loving and creative and accept more love. You're disturbing your body and your metabolism. And you're disturbing your heart and you're disturbing your kidneys and many of the major organs that are functioning for your body's benefit. So to forgive is a gift to you almost as much as to the other person. In fact, to forgive another person, even without acknowledging to them, is still of a great benefit to yourself.
0: Actually, he has a quote in the book where he says, I will forgive you because I must if I ever hope to continue to live fully. And he really meant that, that you cannot live fully if you're nurturing hate and bitterness and vindictiveness against another person.
1: You'll never have positive change or positive growth as long as you're stuck in this place.
0: We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by App Judo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. AppJudo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. AppJudo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App AppJudo can help make your project a success visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. I think another really important aspect about relationships that he mentions is the joy and laughter in relationships. And, you know, it really is essential to have this sense of humor and to have laughter in your life if you're going to be happy. Sophocles and 451 B.C. said that man from whom the joys of life have departed is living no more and should be counted among the dead.
1: And that's a pretty heavy quote.
0: <laughs> well, he also said laughter is the closest distance between two people. <laughs> so the more you can laugh together, the closer you'll become.
1: So the laughter, drawing people together, it's really contagious. It's the best contagion that there is.
0: Yep. It has a lot to do with happiness. If You let the joy come from within you and express that.
1: And happiness really is a choice. It's kind of like Abe Lincoln said, most men are as happy as they make their mind up to be. Happiness is something that you personally control. Even when you're in adverse situations, you control how much happiness you have. If you were to lose every single material thing in your life and if you were to lose all of the loved ones in your life you still could be happy. People say no, that's impossible, but really truly you only need life itself to be happy.
0: And I think that's the attitude, you know, that we take is that we have to bring happiness into our life every day. We have to have that attitude and carry that with us, you know, even when we're maybe not feeling terribly happy. We just have the attitude that we're going to be happy. We're going to make happiness. I think that love seems to find us when we least expect it, when we are in that kind of an open state.
1: Absolutely. And I think that we ourselves have to draw it to us. There's a quote by Joseph Addison, and he says that love comes into our lives when we have something to do when we have something to love, and when we have something to hope for. But these are things that we place in our lives. Nobody can place something positive for us to do and say, here, go do it, because that won't make us happy. And no one can place a person or an object and say, here, love this, because that (laughs) won't work, and that won't make us happy. And no one can give us something and say, here, you must hope for this because we won't do it. It has to be something that we choose.
0: I know. It's like when you try to make someone happy, it's just impossible. You can't make another person happy. And if you're trying to do that and failing, just give up right now. I'll tell you, it's not going to work. That person has to want to be happy. You can't give another person happiness. You may know some of the things that if you are intimately connected to another person that will make them feel good and some of the things they might appreciate, and certainly you could do those things and they would know that you did it out of love and that might make them happy, but you can't really make a person be happy if they choose not to be.
1: And so that's important as well. You can do all the things, you could stand on your head, you can count backwards to a million, and you still may fail to make another person happy. And at that point, you may have to decide to just walk away, even if it's a close relationship, even if it's a marriage. That person has to be able to meet halfway. And so you need to recognize when you need to call a halt or when you need to let that other person be. And it could be a very, very sad occasion for this to happen. But you have to admit to yourself that you need to be able to make yourself happy and that you don't have the job of making that person happy. That's not your
0: job. (laughs) When you are happy, however, your happiness will very often spill over and create happiness around you. It's like the vibration that you're emitting attracts that same vibration in return and you'll find people are more responsive and are more loving towards you when you're putting out happiness.
1: Absolutely. And that's actually a very good prescription for when you are having difficulties with another person. What you yourself can do is to write down all the reasons that that person has provided happiness and all the reasons why you actually love that person. And then when things do get a little bit tough, take that list out and read that list. And most disagreements disappear in a puff of smoke.
0: Sure. (laughs) Well, you know, if you're feeling badly because you can't make another person feel good and you go around feeling bad and you're emitting all of this negativity, not the best prescription for getting that person to either feel good or recognize that you have something valuable to offer the relationship. Just go about your business, make yourself happy, do what makes you light up and see what changes in that other person.
1: So that's our podcast for today on Leo Biscaglia's book, Loving Each Other. It's a really great little book. We've left out some really interesting parts that you'll want to read, I'm sure. He has a couple
0: other chapters. I think there's one on uh, jealousy and there's one on intimacy, too. So and those would make great reads. They cover this subject quite well.
1: And you'll enjoy them, I'm sure. So we're hoping that you have the chance to get this. It's available on Amazon and many other wonderful booksellers.
0: And that is our show for today, Bill. Bill and I want to thank you for being with us today. You can subscribe to our show by going to iTunes Podcast and just look for the Better Living Institute Book Talk Podcast. Or you can also find us on the web at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. There, you're going to find all of our podcasts and articles and products. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, we hope that you'll also share it with your friends and family. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kira and Bill Van Ittersom. So long for now, everyone.